Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. What's good? It's your girl, Adalis Jasmine, and y'all are listening to Hello Latino. Today, I'm talking to Natalia Gaitan, the founder and creative director of Power Up Brand and Design, a Latina-owned brand and website design business in Texas. Natalia walked out of a successful corporate design job and into what she calls freedom, joy, and a life of purpose. Power Up helps businesses powered by purpose lean into what makes them different and embrace their secret sauce or sazon, if you will. For her, as an immigrant, mother, and entrepreneur, she is crafting a new definition of success and opening the conversation about what the American dream really looks like when you're driving the conversation. Tune in, que disfruten. It's a good one, y'all. I am so excited to have you, Natalia. I always feel when there's schedule changes and like, you know, we move it around. I always feel like it's because the cheese was going to be so good that <laughs> the universe just had to be in alignment. <laughs> it's so a I'm excited to have you. Yes, I'm so, so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As I said, like I've been following you for a bit. So it's like, it's so like a fun reality check when you get to see the person on the other side so that's cool this is me <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with the first question hopefully you have your cafecito or whatever you're drinking at this yeah. hour I am drinking cafecito because I just I needed some but I want to start with the first question and that's how do you identify and why Natalia I identify myself as a Latina immigrant Colombian immigrant I was born and raised in Colombia I was I lived there until I was 25. So like our, my story is kind of different from tons of your uh, guests because I, I came here as an mm -hmm. adult. But yeah, I feel like my daughters are the true like first generation for my family. Yeah, you know, I often heard people who immigrated here, whether they were in their teens or when they were a little older, they call themselves like almost the 0.5 generation. Like they came here... <laughs> But they're still, they're not quite first gen, but they're immigrant, but they're like younger. So they get to adapt a little more. Like it's just identity is, is so funny that way that it's shaped by our experiences. But can you talk a little bit about being an immigrant and coming here at 25? Like what's that immigration story? Why did you come here? And how yeah. is that experience? It's been an adventure. That's for sure. Like I can say <laughs> that I never dreamed of living in the States. Like that wasn't part of my dream. The American dream wasn't what I had planned for myself. But I was, you know, preparing for it sub subconsciously a little bit. I, I was always a huge fan of pop culture. I was pretending to be a gringa back in Colombia. I was just like 
watching, you know, MTV all day, every day, watching friends and like things that maybe my friends didn't really understand why it sounds so funny and kind of like using slang back at school and people were just like, what, what are you doing? So I really felt super connected with the culture, but I never thought that it was going to be what it turned out to be. I found my husband. I found a man that loved me and things just really changed for me in my plans. I went to school, I went to college and I just was going to start working and he was set on coming here to do his MBA and the original plan was like, yeah, let's go and then do his MBA, come back and just live life. And we moved to Boston and we were broke and we had to work like that. That's not how it works. So that's kind of like how it turned from coming to visit and go to school for a short time and then go back to I'm here 12 years later, you know, doing life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we moved first to Boston. I went to school back in Columbia for industrial design and then later on for fashion design. And I was always a creative person, obsessed with brands on magazines, just really trying to understand why somebody would pay $10,000 for a bag. Like just the, <laughs> the brand concept was really fascinating to me. So I went mm -hmm. to school for design and then in design school, I fell in love with fashion and that's how I ended up going to school for fashion design. So when we moved here, the plan was, you know, just do the thing, go back. But then when we started seeing that we were not going to make it <laughs> on our little savings, we started looking for work and applying. I started applying a fashion design. And I mean, I was, I was very hopeful, but it was kind of like a super quick reality check that nobody really knew what my college was. Like it wasn't Parsons. Yeah. It wasn't like RISD or Cincinnati. Like it was just like this random mm -hmm. school in Columbia. So it's tough. The fashion circle is super tight. And in Boston, there's a lot of opportunities. There's New Balance. There's Puma. There's all these big brands mm -hmm. that you or I dreamed of being a part of. I wanted to be part of something big. But even though I applied, I did all the things, it never really happened as fast as I wanted. So we just started doing retail, doing whatever we wanted and needed to just move forward. I worked retail in fashion for a little bit. And there I met a buyer. And she came into the store and she talked about layouts and collections and how everything came together. And I was just like, I'm going to make this happen no matter what it takes. So I started applying again and I started harassing every <laughs> HR person that I could find on LinkedIn. Because like 10 years ago, LinkedIn, LinkedIn was there, but it wasn't as right now, like everybody's there. So it still right, felt right. a little bit more like authentic connections versus yeah every like stuffy networking yeah. corporate -y. yeah all of that yeah so uh I started you know harassing people um being super persistent <laughs> and I got some interviews for TJX so the company that owns TJ Maxx Marshalls and I went in and I interviewed seven times for seven different positions Dios mio it was it was intense, but you know what? I learned so much because the first time I went there, I realized that 
I was measuring in millimeters because I came from Colombia and like pattern making oh. in the States is in inches. So little things like that were discouraging, but also kind of like my challenge. Yeah. So I would go back home. I would come back every night and be like, okay, how does like an inch look like? And I don't use fractions and like wow. all the, so I had to relearn <laughs> what I learned in school in a different language. But yeah. being persistent, I finally landed one opposition there and I relearned everything in my career, everything. Like wow. the technical things, the language, the technical language, all the things. And I learned a lot. It was super fun, but I really just wanted to bring my old flavor, you know, like just yeah. put some of my experience into the design work that we were doing. But that wasn't really happening was an opportunity at that moment. So I started looking for other opportunities and interviewed at New Balance, called people mm -hmm. at Puma, did all the things, but yeah. eventually- You're like, I'm gonna make it. <laughs> I'm gonna make it. But eventually <laughs> I connected with an HR person from JCPenney. They have their headquarters here in Dallas. And I got a job and they moved me here. They moved all my things. They like, it was like a movie. Oh. It was like a montage on a movie. It was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> and they really gave me an opportunity and it was, it was a blast. Yeah. I was there for six years, seven years. Wow. And yeah. So beautiful. I want to, I want to ask quickly because you mentioned the American dream and you said it was never my dream to come to America. Can I pause there real quick? I want to bookmark it because I think it's important to talk about what the American dream means for an immigrant because I think a lot of people forget, even in our own community, that immigration is for many reasons. It doesn't happen just because of one, right? Some people came as refugees. Some people came because of political climate. Some people came because of school. Some people came because family was here. I mean, like, the reasons can be endless. So can you describe to me what the American dream meant for you when you were in Colombia? You know, for me, it was more like an aspirational journey wanting to experience the culture and just being in contact with what I could see through TV and magazines, literally. And yeah. it's, it's so silly, but when you're so far in distance and your culture is so far apart, like that was the only concept that I had is kind of when people talk to me about narcos or like Escobar is like the only thing oh, they see. <laughs> But you know what? I never take it personal because if you yeah. haven't been exposed, like that's all you know. That That's literally mm -hmm. all you know. So for me, it was just super aspirational. How cool would it be to be part of something that what, how it looks in the movie? Yeah. So that, that was what I thought of the American dream then. Then when we moved and start, I started working or, or started my corporate career, it was more of like, okay, I can do this as well as everybody else. I fit, like I can blend in and be mm. as successful as everybody else. And I think that's where I poured my heart and soul maybe in something that wasn't really enriching to me because I really yeah. worked my butt off to blend in for a really yeah. long time. You know, 
I, as I'm hearing your story moving to Boston and you're like, oh, we have to work. We have to just survive, right? Because it's not cheap to just live in the U.S. That's one thing that I always think about for folks that are thinking about the American dream. You see what you see on paper. You see what you see on magazines, on media. And then you come here and it's reminding me of a conversation I had with my sister-in-law que se mudó para acá hace unos años. And she was like, you know, it's it's just different in Honduras than here because like, yeah, I get and I think it's this mentality of you just have to work. Not that it's not the case in, in Honduras and Colombia and all of all of the home countries, but I think it's a different mentality of I literally have to work because of X, Y, Z. I have to survive. I have to eat. I have to do this versus, you know, when you come from origenes humildes, like you're okay with working and then you come home, you vas al, al terreno, al barrio, lo que sea, and then you enjoy life, right? And you hang out with the family and you do this and you do that. And I was listening to their stories because I don't know what that feels like. I only know America. Yeah. And so listening to their stories and moving here when they're 30, when they're 40, when they're 20, and I'm like, oh, that's how life is out there? <laughs> no wonder our weekends would be like, party right like barbecues and families and everyone's coming together like no wonder we it was such a sacred time for our family like did you feel that coming here it was yeah. just a different lifestyle to me mm. I feel like nobody told me the pace of living was gonna change so drastically when we go back home mm. and we go to the supermarket and people <laughs> the person on the register is like scanning the products my husband and I, like our eyes start like twitching because this person is there just <laughs> enjoying life. Like it's not like beep, 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 beep. It's literally just slow down five times. Oh, so. yeah. And they're just chill. They're just, they're doing their job. But it scares me so much because it means that we forgot how it feels to like enjoy life and and not live to be working right like because i feel like here we're just in survival mode 24 7 even when we were both in corporate settings even before we had kids even before we bought a house like all day every day and that is one of the big reasons why my purpose is to talk about success for the latina community and what that looks like it doesn't necessarily look like a ton of money. It looks like time with your family. It took like uh, time for yourself. Like that, we, we can't equal success as money anymore. It has to look mm -hmm. like you have permission to enjoy your life. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I, I wanna I wanna bring it back to this conversation with my with my cuñada, my sister in law, where the conversation started because my mom, similar to what you're talking about, the cashier just like putting like super slow pace. My mom todavía cree que está Honduras. I mean, she doesn't know a lick of English. She lives her life like she's in Honduras, like that is just who she is to her core. And she's telling my brother, like, mira que vives en Los Angeles, and we live in San Diego. And she's like, you don't visit me. You could just come. It's two hours. And he's like, 
I'm at like, when can I go when I'm working Monday through Saturday, Sunday, I just want to rest. Like I just yeah. want to chill. And then that's when the conversation happened where my sister-in-law is like, it's different. It's a different life here where if you're on Honduras, we would gladly go two hours to see the family and hang out and do all of those things. But it's just not that easy. It's like once every blue moon when they come and see us. And then, you know what I mean? Like my mom, yeah. though, for her said it you know resentida because she's like you live so close come visit me but it's just a different lifestyle and getting used to that lifestyle right where your kids are not going to come all the time because it's not always feasible or easy or they're working or vacations or school like it's different and again for me I'm always in an interesting position because I don't know anything different I'm like well this is normal, right? Yes. Like survival mode is very normal, but for them, they're like, no, there was a whole different life before you <laughs> where it was, yes. it felt much more simpler than it is now. Yes. And I think going back to that is so like, I feel like that's part of my mission because I have, I have been both, right? Like I've experienced yeah. both to the fullest. Um, and that's when I, or what I want to show my daughters that that's what life can look like. And yeah. it doesn't mean like this person on Instagram, she's like drinking a martini in the Maldives and that's success <laughs> necessarily. Like success looks whatever you like, we want it to look like. Like you define success, whatever that is. If it's in a corporate career that brings you joy or if it's just being a full-time mom and like feeling that you're allowed to do that, I think that's something that's really close to my heart. Yeah. And and before we get to you building this beautiful business and platform dedicated to helping Latinas and Latinos and anyone with how to define success for their own lives, how have you, like, you just said something so super interesting that you've lived both lives. You've been the one that's living in Colombia, living a very slow paced life. And then you've also been the the woman in the United States living a very fast paced life. Like how looking back now how does the how does that play into your identity now you know I I think because when I came here I had already decided what I wanted to do with my life which is what be a creative and I have found my better half like I've started my family like it I feel super confident that I am Colombian like through and through and I just bring it into whatever I do I, I don't feel trapped in that duality. I feel like it's mostly in the pace, uh, but it's easier yeah. for me to like stop and be like, this is not okay. Cause I I've done it before in a different way that feels better. Mm. And how, as a mother, I always think about this as a mother being both experiencing both lives. How are you kind of like they growing up as first generation? How are you integrating the Colombian American duality that you have well I think in the pace part it's mostly our commitment me and my husband we're both entrepreneurs so really honoring that phrase of like we are successful if we can be with them and we can walk with them to school and pick them up at 3 p.m and that feels like a luxury like how many people like Latinos or immigrants can say, I can walk my kid to school every day, pick them up at three and then stop working like that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to live in a mansion. Like to me, that's success right there. And we let them know like this is joy for us. 
So I think that's what we do it with the pace. I think culturally we are super <laughs> outspoken about the power of being a Latina. We talk about being bilingual as a superpower, always exercising those skills, like not being ashamed or, you know, mm -hmm. people telling you that that's not cool. It's actually pretty cool. So we at home, we talk about it all the time. And it's, it's, it's getting in there because when we meet other people randomly, I don't know, in a restaurant, the server notices that we are Colombian and they start speaking Spanish. You can see my oldest. She just lights up in a mm -hmm. beautiful way because she's making a special connection with somebody else. So we talk about that all the time. We save every mile in our credit cards <laughs> to go mm -hmm. to Colombia at least once a year. And we just like full immersion program. <laughs> so they can eat, talk, yeah. and do the thing. And they love it. When they get off that plane, I can tell you that they it's like they're coming home. Oh so God. that's that's the work that we do. And with the bilingual part, we only allow Spanish TV at home. Like if you want to watch TV, it has to be in Spanish. Radio is only so, allowed yeah. in Spanish. In the car, if it's podcast, it's Spanish. So there's no negotiation. I love that. I love that because I always think about, again, like you just mentioned how often do Latinos get this luxury, right, of dropping the kids off, of being like just that person. I always think back to the very first time I went to therapy and I talked about my mom like, oh, yeah, my parents never went to any of my recitals and my therapist was like, oh, like, are you okay? Like, is that a trigger for you? And I was like, oh, no. Oh, it's normal. And it was a moment for me where I'm like, well, you know, I, I understood why so young and I knew it wasn't because they didn't love me or because like they didn't want to be there, but because they were working. And like, that's, a, that's something that a lot of like first generation kids or immigrant kids just know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they're just working. But it can be internalized as I'm overly independent. I don't need anyone to come. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay. But I think that was a very big moment for me where I was really aware that my experience was just different, even than my own therapist who mm -hmm. never experienced that. And she was almost like, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> like honestly, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> my other things you could talk about that part, I'm totally fine. But it was the moment I talked to my mom about it after. And I was like, mom, like, I'm sure you're so tired. Like, you've just been working for so long and she was like I wish I could have gone to your recitals and all the games that the boys had like I wish I wish I could have done all that and so the fact that you're showing your daughters that there's a way for you to do that and also be a businesswoman also be an entrepreneur and I just think like you're you're my goal when I'm a mom I want to be that person for my kids so oh I love that that is so cute <laughs> I love that I really want that to be their goal too just chase what brings them joy in that aspect as well yeah Ugh. let's talk about what you're building let's talk about you leaving the corporate America to become an entrepreneur <laughs> like tell me about that journey the, the journey yeah well I was working for JCPenney designing apparel for their private brands and that was such a great school for me just learning how you mm -hmm. can take the same materials and then depending on the brand, charge a different price. So again, like going back to the value of branding and like 
the concept that anyone can do what you do, but no one can do it like you do it. So really taking that to heart. And as I try to bring myself into my design work or like stand out in a different way, it wasn't really, there wasn't space for it. I think when I started at JCPenney, there wasn't like a VP of inclusion. Like it, it wasn't really like, let's hear everybody's <laughs> voice. Like I never felt yeah, yeah. Uh, mistreated or anything like that. They were amazing, but there wasn't a space to speak up. Um, and then when COVID hit, I got furloughed and I've been doing, you know, some like web design on the side and some graphic design, like on Thumbtack or things like that. But the opportunity just like showed up on my doorstep and my husband was like, maybe just like do something with your skills to help other people. And that week when we had that conversation, everybody got furloughed and everybody started their own business. So many people, so many businesses blossomed during COVID and everybody was looking for a logo. Everybody was looking for a website. And I was just like, I'm going to give this a try see what happens. And I posted on a Facebook group and a mom's Facebook group. I'm going to give five logos and five free websites just to like see what I could do. And those five people blew my business up in three months. Like they just started talking about me, oh, referring wow. me to other people. And then two months in, I got a call to come back to work. And I already <laughs> had signed contracts. People had paid me money already. So I just kept doing it. So I did a nine to five and then 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. for a whole year. Mm -hmm. So I would work after putting the girls to bed, work on my clients. And it was the best time of my life. I was having such a blast. <laughs> Just doing and bringing my own creative take into these projects, I finally felt that freedom of that my voice was being valued. So it was just mm. a happy, happy time all across. But I was exhausted, of course. And that's when my husband made me quit. He was like, you're building something really big and I can see you happy. You are happy. So let's let's do this. So he had left his job three or four years before me. So he knew what it was going to be like for me. And mm -hmm. I just did. And I started growing my business. But here is the best part. When I went out there to be another brand of website designer, I found myself blending in all over again. Because I had to do social media now. I had to talk on the camera. I had to do live stories. And I was super self-conscious about my accent. And all the things. So it was maybe like a year and a half, two years of trying to figure out what my voice really was. And opening that up to everybody to see, which is very intimidating. Because I just was scared that people would not see me as valuable because I was Latina. And maybe I have to Google every word before I type it because I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> but... <sighs> I even do that, okay? Okay, okay good. That makes me I feel think a bad. lot of people do that still. <laughs> I'm like, my worst is like these or this. Like, that's my worst nightmare. Uh, I could see why. I could see. <laughs> but anyway, I, <laughs> I just like, you know, I got tired of blending in and just spending so much time and energy on it. And I didn't want the girls to see me 
be pretend to be somebody else to be successful. So last year we did a huge rebrand, a huge messaging, just like redo. And I'm just leaning into being me and I'm bringing in my clients to do the same. And it's been such a joy and all kinds of businesses, all kinds of professions, but there's always people willing to be creative and outside of the box. So that's been super fun. Shout out to you, Natalia, because I think you brought up an amazing point that whether you are building your own business or whether you are working at a corporation, you still sometimes feel like you have to blend in. And there's still those feelings of, am I good enough? Like that doesn't go away when you start your own business. I think if anything, it like is heightened because it's yours. It's like, yeah, okay. Like I really want this to be me, but like, is me enough? And And then you kind of go through this back and forth. And the fact that you just mentioned that, I don't think we've ever discussed it on the podcast before. Like that is a very, want everyone to know, like it happens. It's a natural feeling. And the fact that you decided to, you know, essentially say F it, I'm just going to do me and I'm going to lean into my power and my strength, which is a Colombian woman with an accent who has lived a duality of lives. And that's your superpower. You know, it, it has been like eye opening to me. And when you and I first talked, I mentioned that probably like 80% of my clients are non Latino, which is shocking yeah. to me because I'm very outspoken about what I believe, what <laughs> I feel, like how I see things. I do use a lot of cuss words, like in my natural day to day and on my, on my website, like you can see it. it's there. Yeah. It's who I am. And I've, being fortunate to attract the same kind of people that value that even though they're not Latinos, that they know in my Latina experience, I bring a lot to the table, yeah. which was always the dream, right? To yeah. see people how, for people to see how valuable you are, including all those things that made you feel insecure. Um, so that it's been so fun. It feels like I don't have to second guess every caption or everything that I write. I'm, I'm just like literally just being my full self and it's just it's so fun what tips do you give to those who are listening who want to step into their full self and want to step into their authenticity and want to just like relax their shoulders not have their tongue at the roof of their mouth like what tips do you give to folks who just want to step into that authenticity I think whatever you do in business related to authenticity has to be powered by purpose. So building a business, building a brand, it has to come from the heart. And that is the one thing that no one can replicate for you. Nobody can replicate your journey. Nobody can replicate your experiences, your background. Like I talk a lot about photographers and have you ever seen the amount of talented photographers on Instagram sometimes like my head just blows up there's so many talented people but if I spend maybe two months I could probably figure out myself we all can use Photoshop we can buy the same assets and maybe like skills we can find those skills if we're creative but nobody can do it the way you do it so if you're wherever you are if you're starting a business if you're building a brand if you're in corporate but you're building your personal brand Being yourself and honoring that journey is the only way you can stand out. 
it means the only way nobody can replicate that for you I love there's this like poetic thread in your story Natalia I don't even know if you're picking up on it but <laughs> you talked about loving brands because you're like why would anyone pay ten thousand dollars for this bag and you literally mentioned you wanted to work in that space because it's the brand it's anyone can do this but no one can do it like you and now all this time later you're translating that to your own business and you're realizing like no one can do it like Natalia can and that's why I'm worth it that's why I'm premium priced and that's why people want to use my services yes. so you created this brand <laughs> yes it, I mean you're the ten thousand dollar bag <laughs> I am. And you know what? Anyone can believe they lean into what makes them different. And our motto, Power Up, is really, it is powered by purpose. That's on our website. When you lean into your purpose and you lean into what makes you different, no matter what you're doing, it's going to be unique. And that's yeah. what we're going for right now. So if a client comes up to you, I want to I wanna paint the picture. If a client comes up to you and your team, Natalia, and they're like, hey, can you help me do the website? How do you help them lean into their authenticity when they're wanting to create a website? Because I'm sure maybe they want the best type of website or maybe they want to replicate one and you're just like, okay, let me get yeah. ideas out of you. Like, yes. what's the process? Well, the greatest thing that I stole from corporate and my corporate experience is the process, right? The discovery of the design process. And that applies mm -hmm. to any kind of design work that I do. So first thing we do, everybody comes to me with an idea of a logo, right? Before we, we even talk, right? So I'm always like, wait, first thing we're going to do is <laughs> talk about your purpose. Why are you doing this? How are you doing it? What are you doing? So we, I have like a super fun questionnaire that we work through and really dig into those things before we even pick a color, before we pick a font, before we design a logo. And we usually end up with something completely different, but the clients are always in awe of how it just represents them 100% versus what they came in with. So we work on mood boards, we work a lot on Pinterest, and we pin images that represent that mood, that vibe, and it ends up looking like something completely different. Same with their website, right? Because they bring you, oh, I love this person. If it's, I don't know, a realtor or a mortgage broker, which is usually kind of like a more transactional kind of industry. But we do the all the exploration first of the concept, the idea, the purpose, and it ends up looking completely different. And that's what makes it unique. And different and unique doesn't mean not professional. I mean, it looks professional AF, but also unique. Oh, sad. Right? Like, <laughs> unique. Unique and different and enticing and converting, which is also my favorite word. Also giving us almost like an inside scoop on the power of design, that it's more than just, hey, I really like this one website. Can we replicate it? You're like, hold on. Like, Let's think about the vibe, the mood. Like, do you even look at colors and fonts? Like, what message they're sending if you choose one font versus another, or like a Definitely. color versus another color? Oh, so cool. Yeah, I think I feel like all the things that non-designer people, right? Like people that don't work in the creative business would recognize as a part of a brand, like the logo, the fonts, the colors. 
like that's usually what they come with the idea of, right? Like they've seen something else mm -hmm. they like, uh, but when they tell me, you know what, I really, I'm just like a funny person. I'm a mortgage broker, but I'm funny and I'm like empowering to women. And I love single moms and like helping them and get a home because my mom was a single mom. Like then that just like takes a completely different route. Like it needs a completely different journey into bringing those assets to life. And yeah, that's how you connect with people. How cool that you get to bring their story and who they are in such a fun, creative way without like, I, I swear if I was a client and you were asking me all these questions, I'd be like, I don't know why she's asking me all these questions. Like, how is she going to turn this into a design? But the fact that there is such a process and then an intentionality behind it, I think that's just the most beautiful thing that you can create for another person, another client. And just, again, I being intentional about what you're creating for them and having it be rooted in who they are and what makes them them. That's amazing. How yeah. can people connect with your business? How can people connect with you? Like, how can they get their logo on website today? <laughs> okay, it won't be today because we need a process <laughs> together. But yes, I'm on Instagram at Power Up. Or you can find me on my website, which is powerup-bd.com. I'm on TikTok, but not very much. So mostly just Instagram. That's where we have the, the most fun. And we just like try a lot of like creative input in there. Yeah. If you want to level up, stand out, grow your business and lean into what makes you different, let's chat. And there you have it. Snaps to you, Natalia. I am really just so impressed by you and how you've owned just these different experiences that you've had and the way that you've introduced it into your family that's first-gen immigrant and beautiful and also have integrated it into your business. And I think your story is just like the entrepreneurial story. It's the immigrant story. And thank you for sharing it with us so vulnerably and beautifully and authentically and Aww. just being you like you showing up here with tattoos <laughs> with f bomb, like you just really being you and that to me is what I want everyone who's listening to take away from this conversation is that you your story who you are where you come from all of that are your superpowers all of that just make you it's just it can make you successful and you just got to step into it and be and risk it right we got to just risk being yeah. different and risk risk stepping into you know being the Louis Vuitton of websites and logos and whatever else anyone else is building but knowing that you no one can do it like you I think that's the biggest takeaway from this conversation so thank for you sure. Natalia well, thank you for having me it's been such a blast um, I want to end before we before me dejas I want to end this conversation with the brindis so I've been trying to sip my coffee, but I've been like so impressed by you, girl. <laughs> so I have, I have my cafecito and I want to give you the chance to say what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest for our Latino community. Okay, I'm going to say cheers to defining your own definition of success. Just figure it out for yourself. I'm sorry. I had to pause. You left me speechless. <laughs> That was so perfectly said, and I I wanted like a mic drop moment. <laughs> yes, say it say it one more time because it was so beautifully said. Say it one more time. 
you get to define what success looks like to you in different words. Cheers to that. Salud. Gracias. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I appreciate y'all so much for tuning in and I'll see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram and find me on LinkedIn. More information is on my website, odalijasmine.com y con mucho, mucho amor, tu amiga Andureña.